Greetings and salutations. Welcome to this, the first episode of the Jewels and Journalism podcast. I am your host, your main man with the game plan, the ratchet revolutionary, the short sultan of sarcasm, sincere king. I'm happy to be here. I hope you're happy to be there. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dropping Jewels. That's D R O P P E N J E W E L Z at Dropping Jewels on all of my social media platforms. Now, let's get right to it. Today's show, I'll be dropping some jewels on a few topics, but first I want to talk about um, the Bird Box movie and give you my Bird Box movie review. But before I do that, let me just touch on a few things that uh, kind of caught my eye in the last uh, couple of days. First and foremost, I want to tell everyone, welcome, Merry 2019, what would this year bring you? Uh, we, we don't have New Year's resolutions, we're doing New Year's execution uh, up here in the, in the Jewels and Journalism podcast, and I hope you're doing the same. And I'm sure that uh, 2019 will bring you whatever you work towards, and that's not always positive. If you work toward being the best version of you that you can be this year, then this year is going to be solid for you. But if you work towards the dealing negativity, laziness, talking about those that are doing the doing, well, then you already lost in 2019. is already a wrap for you. So uh, don't be that guy or gal. I hope that you would all choose to do the former, and I wish you all your own version of success, whatever your definition of that is. Next, Usher, my man, what is you doing? Out here looking like somebody bougie auntie. If you haven't seen him lately, he has a perm that there's a uh, picture of him going around with a social media with a perm in his hair. Completely just, I mean, and I'm an Usher fan. I was, I'm, I'm disappointed in big homie. I'm, I hate the fact that you walk around here doing the, the young jock look, man. But look, I mean, between your hair and some of Cam Newton's outfits, y'all out here looking like somebody's ex-husband's new girlfriend. Just stop with the foolishness, man. Stop it, please. That's I'm asking you, stop. All right. Now that I got that off my chest, let's move right into bigger and better things. Uh, my Bird Box movie review. Listen, I'm not even going to keep you in suspense. I thought the movie was trash. That's facts. 124 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. Somebody, please go to the Jewels and Journalism FB page and tell me what the part of that movie is because I'm lost. I mean... I'm an against the grain kind of guy anyway, so I was pretty much set on not watching it. Just didn't look interesting to me, even with all of the talk about it on social media. But my daughter wanted me to watch it with her, and there's that. But social media, I had all types of people saying it had so many like spiritual anecdotes and blah, blah, blah. Well, I read my Bible on the regular. I don't know what type of spirits y'all rocking with, but get them away from me because I didn't get that at all. I mean... And the other thing, like, okay, so every horror movie may delay, you know, the scene where the actual monster or whatever is doing the horroring is seen. But we never seen what exactly was scaring these people. You know what I mean? I mean, I need answers. We never seen what was scaring these people. Here's, here's a question. What was the difference from what the people who were killing themselves committing suicide saw versus what the people who saw something but they loved what it saw and they kept describing it as beautiful 
and they what they didn't kill themselves. They were trying to get everybody else to take their blindfolds off and get them to see the beautiful thing that that they saw. Like, so what was the difference between the two? Why was why would one person see something and kill themselves, then somebody else would see something? And it was just stupid to me. I mean, even my definition or my review of the movie is dumb because the movie is dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a whole bunch of things that I just had questions about. What did the anti-social stigma that Sandra Bullock's character had have to do with her actions and decisions throughout the rest of the movie? They just never came full circle with that. That was another thing. I thought it was stupid. Why didn't they at least give us that? You know what I'm saying? Okay, we figured out what the, the reason for having the birds was. Okay, got it. But it just seemed to me like the movie was a, a run-on sentence that never completed the idea. I hated the movie. It was completely trash. It's, again, it's 124 minutes. I'm going to never get back. Actually, I'm going to just say like 119 minutes that I'm going to never get back. Because the last five minutes kind of made some sense. It was a little interesting. You get there. It's a school of the blind. Everybody in there is okay. They don't see anything. Okay, cool. That was all right. But the rest of the movie, absolute trash. If you haven't seen it, you're not missing anything. Ignore everything positive that you hear about this movie on social media. It's all lies. I'm telling you. Uh, so from, from my review of this movie, The Bird Box gets uh, one out of five jewels. I'm telling you, it was trash. Don't waste your time on that. And um, next up on our uh, podcast today, we're going to talk about this surviving R. Kelly documentary. First of all, why are they using the word surviving? They make it seem like somebody went out into the woods and, and didn't make it. Like they didn't come back from whatever it was. They was going like a camping trip or something like that. They didn't make it. They didn't come back. Surviving R. Kelly is the documentary, a docu-series, actually. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I was I was looking um, on, on the uh, internet a couple of days ago and said that they was having like a um, a gathering at a at a at a, at a uh, auditorium or something like that where they had uh, some of the I, I don't want to use the word victims, but some of the the ladies who were you know had these dealings with R. Kelly there. Or whatever, but they couldn't actually get into it because somebody called in a, a bomb threat or something, said that somebody in the in the audience was going to start clapping and join up uh, if they got started talking about R. R. Kelly and his dealings with these ladies. So, you know, for safety's sake, they had to cancel that. But that just struck me as a little odd. I don't I don't know how anybody else felt about about that. It seemed like Cal's just going a little far to, you know, what I'm saying keep dirt off his name. But obviously, at this point, it's a little bit too late for that, brother. Anyway, before we get on that, let me take you on a trip down memory lane for some of y'all. If you remember, back in 1991, Rick James and his girlfriend at the time were arrested on charges of assault with a deadly weapon, false imprisonment, forced oral copulation, making terrorist threats, and furnishing narcotics as a result of having kidnapped a woman for about a week and keeping her in a mansion like down in the basement or something. Rick James was convicted on all of those charges except the torture charge because the torture and and that was the one that he did that he did want to dodge because that one would have resulted in a uh, life in prison sentence. That's what comes with that. So this is not entirely new phenomena. I mean, this is not ground that we haven't, you know, tread before. So let's let's try to, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, when we begin to see the uh, docket series, I, I don't. I think it comes. Uh, I think it either begins this Friday or, or next Monday when the docket series is supposed to begin. But 
hey, I just want to put a few ideas out there, let it flow, you know, before we before any of us see it. And then you can think about that when you're looking at the docuseries, right? So anybody who knows R. Kelly knows that he's like one of the greatest R&B singers slash songwriters of our generation. The allegations of sexual abuse started way back in 1994. That was the year after Rick James was found guilty and convicted of those charges that I just told you about. Right? The first allegations began when it was said that Kelly, who was 27 at the year, 27 years old at the time, uh, had married his 15-year-old protege, Aaliyah. I know most of us familiar with R. Kelly, especially, and Aaliyah, uh, remember hearing uh, those rumors that were going around at the time, right? Um, next, after that, there was a grainy video, if you will, that uh, supposedly showed R. Kelly having sex with and giving a golden shower to another unnamed female minor. Now, listen, I've seen this video. It's disgusting. I probably should have, uh, I probably should have turned away a lot earlier, but I couldn't. I can't explain it to you, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the guy didn't look like R. Kelly, in my opinion. He did not look like uh, R. Kelly. Now, again, you know, I'm, I'm sure they have some CSI personnel who can take this video, get the pixels all right and everything, and try to, you know, put a face on this man. But from what I've seen, it didn't look like him. And... He was never charged. Like like I said, I mean, listen, in fact, the following years, R. Kelly will be accused of 21 counts of child pornography. That would happen on more than one occasion. Sexual abuse and having a sex cult. We know about that. And also with intentionally infecting his partners with several forms of STDs and those accusations was as late of as of late as 2018 so I mean but here's the thing ask yourself a few questions just hear me out ask yourself a few questions the first being if these young girls were underage really side note realize that in many states the age of consent is 16 years old. So when you say underage, that person has to be 15 years old or younger. Right. But here's the thing. Where were their parents? Nobody has ever brought that up. Like, where are these young girls parents? Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if the age of consent is 16. R. Kelly is 30 years old and he's trying to date my baby and she's 16. R. Kelly going to have some real problems on his hand. And I don't care if I never get to him. You're going to see me on the news at some point in time trying to break into this man's house. I'm at shows. I'm everywhere on this boy's neck until I finally do get my hands on him. But of course, I'm going to make you never heard anything about any of these girls' parents. The only thing I heard was the one lady who said she hadn't seen her daughter in like a year or whatever. And she believed that her daughter was in a sex cult with R. Kelly. But then the daughter... Uh, retorted and she came out with a video to say that she was in fact with R. Kelly uh, willingly. You know, I mean, not she wasn't there being held against her will and she wasn't being starved and beaten and so forth and so on. I mean, so 
I mean, that was the only thing that I've ever seen as, you know, apparent. But if if all of these other things were even supposed, where were the parents and why? So it, it makes me wonder, were the parents complicit? And my meaning, hey, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, maybe a check wasn't written or, or two to some of these parents to, for them to keep their mouth shut. I mean, who knows? We'll never know because a parent never came out against uh, Kells and what he was doing. Right. I mean, that's the first question. The second question you got to ask yourself, why has he never been convicted? Now, listen, I'm not defending our Kells. You know, I, I mean, I, I think if you've been accused of the same thing for 25 years, you're guilty somewhere. I mean, maybe not all of the things that they were saying were necessarily true, but there's there's some point where you kind of know that, uh, yeah, there's some truth uh, to some of this that, that's being said about you. You know, even my mom used to say, you know, the best lies got a little bit of truth in them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying, I'm not defending him. I'm not saying that he's innocent, but I'm just, these are questions that, well, I mean, why has he never been convicted? I mean, is he just that lucky? Are his lawyers that good? You know, speaking of which, his lawyer and publicist, both women, quit their positions last year. What's that about? That's another question. You know what I'm saying? More importantly, here's the biggest question. Are we upset about the age of the girls or the age difference between them and R. Kelly? I mean, because think about it. Uh, you know, underage is not always what's found to be a little nasty. You know what I'm saying? For lack of a better term. You know, a, a woman could be 23 years old dating a guy that's 58. And we looking like, ew, that's nasty. You know what I'm saying? But, but she's there on her own accord. Of her own will. I mean, of course, we know she's there for a reason. He's there for a reason. It's kind of like a business decision. They both getting something out of the deal or what have you. But then it... it, it it warrants the question, what are we, are we mad at the fact that these girls are the age that they are? Or we are mad because of the age difference between them and what R. Kelly is. So if R. Kelly is 45, 50 years old and he's dating a, a woman that's 18. And, and keep in mind, like I said, in most states, the age of consent is 16. Consent means that a 16-year-old girl can willingly say out of her mouth, I chose to have sex with a 40-year-old man. Look, I'm just saying it's a couple of things, you know, to, to, to kind of think about and consider, you know, when we're talking about the whole R. Kelly, you know, uh, allegations, man. Hey, listen, I'd love to know what you guys think, man. So if you if you get a little bit of free time after you listen to this, and you want to kind of express how you feel, please. You know, what I mean, I'm inviting you to my Facebook page. I'm inviting you, you know, what I'm saying to my to my IG. My Twitter is dry. You more than welcome to go. You know, what I'm saying follow me at dropping jewels on Twitter. You know, what I'm saying and, and, and voice your opinions there. We can chop it up, you know, a little bit. And, and hey, I'm gonna tell you something. If something really, really sound good, then I'll come back to this. You know, what I'm saying next week and bring up, you know, what I'm saying the, the one or two good points that, you know, what I'm saying uh, someone may have made. I'll shout y'all out. You know, what I'm saying to say, hey, thus and so said. This is how he or she felt about this, that, and the other. You know what I'm saying? We're going we gonna to be real interactive here on Jewels and Journalism. You hear me? All right, next. This is the jewel of the day. I could go on and on. 
about certain things. This will be one of those certain things. Listen. Question. Have black women given up on black men and vice versa? I know. I, I know. Relax. Chill. Listen. Listen. Let me let me get into it. Let me let me tell you what, I, what I'm thinking. Have we gotten to a point where black men and women no longer consider one another exclusively for relationship possibilities? Again, come on, man, chill. Get off my back. All right. I mean, I already know, you know what I'm saying, that there's interracial relationships out there, you know what I'm saying? But we, that's not what we're talking about right now. I already know that. But hey, just hear me out. Listen, some would say that black women have stood by and watch black men date every other ethnicity of woman outside of themselves for decades. And now they've taken their talents, meaning black women, to South Beach or any beach that black men don't occupy. Others might say that black women have too much attitude. They're too abrasive. You know what I'm saying? Or they just plain ornery and bossy. Too much to deal with. But the question is, how did this come to be? And look, if you're one half of an interracial relationship and you're listening, don't be upset at the question. Your point of view is wanted and valid as well. Your episode is going to come. That's not today, though. You know what I'm saying? That, that ain't where I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? So listen, most Americans marry inside their race, period. And that's the large majority. Okay. So let's not act like, you know, they're saying this is really bigger than what it is. But I'm just wondering why has it become a real point of angst, you know, what I mean, in the black community. But like I said, most Americans marry inside their race. Listen, when it comes to black men and women, it seems like there's a harsher it, or, or is it or is it a harsher stigma? As to dating and marrying outside of your own. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, and the thing is, I don't think we got to feel bad about having a discussion or even preferring to date and marry black because the truth is, uh, that's what's natural. You are naturally attracted to what looks like you. You know what I mean? You, that's just natural law of attraction. Right. But the truth is that the venom and vitriol for outside marriages is not exclusive to the black community. Right. My Mexican brothers and sisters would get that for dating or marrying anyone other than another Mexican. An Italian or Irish man or woman would damn near be cut off from their family if they dated or married outside of Italian or Irish. You know, and we know good and well Every Jewish mother and father has spoken these words. Find yourself a nice Jewish girl or find yourself a nice Jewish boy to marry. Those are. That's real. I mean, we. that's not even I don't even have to like make this type of stuff up. Luckily, I've been, you know, what I'm saying in a position where I've been exposed to more than just, you know, what I'm saying black, white, whatever. I, I, I've, I've been around. The block once or twice. I've seen, you know, a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? But the question here is, 
hold up. Let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack. To me, it's only natural, right? I would even say that for those who are participants in interracial couples, that there was a point when the preference to date someone who didn't look like you was weird. You know what I mean? Like maybe even unexpected. You, you know, you wonder like that, where is this coming from? Why do I feel, you know, the way I feel about this white woman? Why do I feel the way that I feel about this black man? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that you felt that because it, I'm not saying it's unnatural, but it's not the norm. You know, it's, it's not what, what nature would have you gravitate toward. So I think that, yeah, there was a there was a time when the preference to date somebody who was outside of your own ethnicity did seem a little weird, unexpected. You know what I'm saying? But you just wound up going with it. And that's cool. But the question here is, when that when did that become a community assessment among black men and women? When did we all sit down and have the conversation and say, you know what? Uh, Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be just you anymore. You know, I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking applications from everybody. When did it get to that point for the black man and the black woman? Right. And listen, as I said, there are many who believe strongly, you know what I mean? That what's supposed to happen is that you're supposed to stay within your ethnicity. I recently seen a blog and this was from a white woman who believed that white women were being targeted and pressured. To consider interracial relationships. Yes, that was, those are the words that she used, targeted and pressured. She even brought in the media attacks. She brought in how the music, you know, is, is working to, to kind of coerce white women to date outside of, of their race. You know, so again, this is not a, a phenomenon that I just came up with. This is not something that, you know, I made up on my own. I was just sitting around. You know what I'm saying? Uh, cutting my toenails and was like, oh man, you know what? No, you know, this this is something that, you know, people have thought. I'm just having a conversation, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to kick it with y'all for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Her, her stance was this. If she, as a white woman, staunchly stood on the premise that she would only date and or marry a white man, she would be looked down upon, frowned on, even considered racist. Is that right? Ask yourself that question. Is that right? If a white woman clearly states that she would not in no way date anyone other than a white male, does that make her racist? I mean, I, in some in some cases, we're getting a little bit out of control. We 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 sensitive. I don't see any, I don't see anything wrong here, but do this, do this because I'm, I'm, because she, you know, this is something that, you know, even, you know, me, you know, and my uh, wife has spoken about, start paying attention to TV commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Start paying attention to TV commercials. You remember it was a big deal. Uh, what was it? Maybe sometime last year. When the Cheerios had the commercial out and the, and the couple was interracial and it caught some backlash. You know, they was talking about it on Good Morning America and everything. It caught some backlash because people felt like you shouldn't be putting that out there like that. This is 2018. 
right? Start looking at these TV, TV commercials. You'll see a lot more families made up of a couple of ethnicities. Children who are racially ambiguous and the like. There was also the um, the article going around with the picture of the young lady, beautiful girl, and it's saying by a by 20 something, 2030 or something that everyone would look like this. And this was a racially ambiguous uh, female, dark enough to be considered a light skinned black woman, but a hair would speak to Caucasian woman. I mean, just listen. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. You know what I mean? You feel about it how you feel about it. You know, and I'm not saying that I feel one way or the other. I'm just asking the questions here. You know what I mean? So, hey, don't 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 beat the messenger up. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm just asking the question. It's something for us all. You know what I'm saying to consider. Uh, it's something that we should not be upset to have a conversation about, to have a discussion about. You know what I mean? But we are living. Uh, in a time where I begin to see discourse among uh, black men and women. And I think that that unit in particular is the one that has been targeted to keep us away from one another for whatever reason that you may have. My reasons are my own, right? So there that is. That's the jewel of the day. Have black women given up on black men and vice versa? Those are my thoughts. I would love to know what your thoughts are. Like I said, you can hit me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Dropping Jewels. That's D-R-O-P-P-E-N-J-E-W-E-L-Z. Let me know, you know what I'm saying, what you think. Also, if you're listening to this on Anchor, you can send me voice messages. Uh, if you send me voice messages, I can use those actually on the podcast, like your actual voice. I can put you on the podcast, have you ask your question. So if you have any questions or comments or even show suggestions, you can leave me a message and I'll get it. And you never know. You might hear yourself doing uh, while you're listening uh, to one of my episodes. All right. So like I said, follow me, like me, whatever on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. All dropping jewels. D-R-O-P-P-E-N-J-E-W-E-L-Z. And until next time, I am Sincere King, and this is the Jews and Journalism Podcast, and I bid you farewell. In the words of Nas, if I ruled the world, we wouldn't be having these problems. One.